This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. I'm National Press Club member Tom Young in Washington. Most people who follow journalism issues are familiar with the role of the National Press Club. It hosts newsmaker events and, of course, promotes a free press. The National Press Club Journalism Institute supports young reporters through scholarships and professional development programs. But a lot of folks don't realize the Press Club has within it an American Legion post. And that post has been part of the club for nearly a century. This November, American Legion Post 20 will celebrate its centennial. The commander of Post 20, retired Navy captain and press club member Jim Noon, joins me in the studio today. Full disclosure, I'm also a member of Post 20, and I work with Jim as the Post's second vice commander. Uh, Jim, tell us about how an American Legion post came to be associated with the National Press Club. Well, Tom, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, Post 20 and its uh, history, especially the fact that we're celebrating our centennial this year, as you mentioned. In 1919, uh, General John Pershing, uh, commander of uh, the American Expeditionary Force in World War I, was serving in Washington, and uh, he was an associate member of the press club at the time. Odd to, to learn, uh, as we did, that uh, that was the case, but uh, Pershing was an associate member of the club, and the club was started at his suggestion. And it was actually founded at the press club uh, on November 11th, 1919, one year after the signing of the armistice uh, that ended World War I. Its uh, charter was issued uh, by the American Legion on November 19th, 1919. So this year we're looking forward to uh, having a centennial observance on that date, November 19th. Early in, in its history, the post was called the Pershing Post or the Blackjack Post uh, in honor of General Pershing. Uh, General Pershing was also uh, instrumental in starting the American Legion when he was uh, in Paris uh, in uh, late uh, 1918 and early 1919. And indeed, this year, the American Legion is celebrating its 100th anniversary. As best we can determine, one of the reasons, if not the primary reason, why General Pershing thought that it would be good to have a, a post here at the Press Club was to provide a forum to help support this new organization of veterans that he uh, had uh, worked uh, to uh, establish and which eventually became the American Legion. So that's an interesting, uh, colorful uh, uh, story about the uh, origination of our Post 20 here at the Press Club. Our Post does have a colorful origin story. Uh, Jim, you're a Navy veteran. I flew with the Air National Guard. Uh, tell us about some of the members of Post 20 and their backgrounds. Well, we've got a diverse uh, membership, uh, and we do indeed have some interesting members. We may be the only American Legion post in the country that has a veteran of the Battle of Midway. Wow. As one of our members, his name is Jack Crawford, Captain Jack Crawford, Navy retired. Um, Jack was a graduate of the uh, Naval Academy uh, and was uh, assigned as an ensign to the uh, aircraft carrier Yorktown in uh, 1942, uh, not too long after the uh, attack on Pearl Harbor. And he uh, boarded the uh, Yorktown the night before it uh, sailed out of Pearl Harbor. Uh, en route uh, to uh, a position out in the Pacific where uh, they, uh, the mission was to intercept a powerful Japanese task force uh, headed for the island, the U.S. island of Midway. 
So uh, the Yorktown was the only U.S. US carrier uh, sunk in that battle. The U.S. Navy sunk uh, three of the four uh, Japanese carriers, and uh, the battle indeed uh, is known as the turning point of the war in the Pacific, and some would argue the turning point of the war, period. But Jack Crawford had a wonderful experience of, of being involved in that battle. Interesting story. He was presented with a pair of binoculars by the American Legion when he was a, a, a senior student at the Naval Academy for academic achievement. He had those binoculars with him when he was on the Yorktown. The Yorktown, uh, after being hit by Japanese torpedoes, was listing severely, uh, and uh, the commanding officer ordered abandoned ship. Well, uh, Jack uh, abandoned the ship pretty quickly, left uh, most of his personal belongings behind, including the, the, those binoculars, which had an inscription to uh, uh, Ensign Jack Crawford from the American Legion. Anyway, the uh, Yorktown did not sink, uh, as the commanding officer thought might be the case. It, it uh, foundered for some period of time, so he sent a boarding party back to uh, destroy classified documents and that kind of thing. And one of the members of that boarding party happened to come upon those binoculars, decided to liberate them, uh, <laughs> and uh, in doing so, uh, he discovered the inscription to Jack Crawford. Well, he happened to be a Naval Academy classmate of Jack Crawford's, and when... Uh, Jack Crawford was, uh, as many uh, persons were who abandoned ship, was rescued by a Navy, uh, a Navy destroyer sailing alongside. Anyway, when Jack got back into Pearl Harbor, uh, the uh, person who liberated the binoculars looked him up and returned the binoculars to him. So it ended with a happy, a happy ending. Oh, that's a neat story. And I believe Jack brought those binoculars to one of our meetings. He did indeed. He was a speaker at uh, one of our meetings uh, last year, Tom, as you recall, around uh, the Battle of Midway anniversary uh, in June. Uh, and he brought those binoculars with him. Another interesting uh, member we have is a retired uh, medical doctor who practiced uh, medicine in the D.C. area for most of his career, Jim D'Angelo. And speaking of the Battle of Midway, Jim founded in 1992 an organization called the International Midway Memorial Foundation, the purpose of which has been to ensure that the Battle of Midway uh, and those who serve there is and are properly remembered and commemorated. And uh, Jim wrote a book uh, which was published last year called Victory at Midway, the battle that changed the course of World War II. And as you may recall, Jim has been one of our speakers as well. Yes. We have a very uh, literary group of uh, members uh, of our post. Another is uh, Commander Rick Campbell, retired Navy commander who was a submarine officer. After his retirement from the Navy, he uh, became an author and has published uh, several books, uh, five or six books, uh, on uh, on the submarines. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, his, uh, his books are quite good. I've read them. Yeah, and uh, another literary member of our post is you, Tom. <laughs> uh, I know that you served in Afghanistan and Iraq with the Air National Guard uh, and had a very dis distinguished uh, career with the Guard uh, after having been uh, a, uh, a writer, editor, and in the broadcast division of Associated Press Yes, yes. for, uh, for a number of years, and that uh, you have written... Uh, Four or five books, uh, fiction books. Correct, correct. Uh, military adventures, etc. So that's just a, an example of the diverse uh, and interesting uh, members that we have in the post. Another, uh, before I forget it, is a Myron Belkind. Myron, as a Vietnam veteran, was an Army journalist uh, serving in Vietnam uh, and uh, had a very distinguished career with Associated Press. Oh, yes, very much so. Her uh, serving overseas, India, uh, and other places. Uh, and is a former member of uh, the National Press Club. Our post has also had some fairly illustrious members in the past. Who are some of our notable past members? 
two in particular come to mind. One is Sarah McClendon. Sarah was a real a trailblazer for women journalists in the 20th century. She was. She uh, started just after World War II, started a, uh, a freelance news service of her own, uh, the McClendon News Service, which uh, she uh, ran for more than 50 years, covering the White House particularly. And uh, uh, over the years, she became something of a gadfly uh, in presidential <laughs> press conferences. She was a veteran of, uh, an Army veteran of World War II. She enlisted in the Army right after Pearl Harbor. She served in the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps, uh, then attended OCS and uh, got commissioned as an officer and was assigned uh, to the Army Surgeon General's Office as a public relations staffer. She was also uh, the first Army officer to give birth at a military hospital. Wow. Uh, we found out <laughs> at Walter Reed Hospital uh, during the war. Now that's a life well lived. It is. And indeed, the room where we meet at the National Press Club, where our post-20 uh, meetings are conducted is called the McClendon Room, named after Sarah McClendon, which is uh, highly appropriate. Another well-known uh, and interesting member of our post over the years has been a gentleman named John Cosgrove. John was a Navy veteran of World War II, served on a destroyer escort in the Pacific. After the war, worked uh, in, uh, in journalism in uh, D.C., founded his own uh, public affairs uh, firm, he uh, was uh, a well-known member of the press club. He joined the press club in 1948, uh, shortly after World War II. Uh, in 1961, he was elected president of the press club, sworn in by Chief Just then Chief Justice Earl Warren it's from the Supreme Court. And uh, a surprise official witness to the event was newly inaugurated President John F. Kennedy. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But uh, John... Uh, lived a long life, died at uh, age 98 in 2016, uh, and he, he actually knew uh, many of the earliest members of the press club, which was founded in 1908. So in many ways, John was a guardian of the club's institutional memory well into the 21st century. Uh, and indeed, uh, he was so beloved and known in the press club that, as you know, uh, another press club room was named after him, the Cosgrove Lounge. Appropriately so. Uh, I forgot to mention that uh, Sarah McClendon was a commander of our Post 20 in the 1990s, 1991 to 90 to 91, excuse me, in 95 to 96. John Cosgrove was also a commander of our Post, 1999 to 2005. So it's interesting that uh, these two uh, were uh, World War II veterans, former commanders of our Post, and have rooms named after them in the National Press Club. It was an honor to get to know both of them. That's right, it, it was really indeed. Was. A, th a third uh, uh, name I would mention is John Fales. For many years, John wrote a, uh, John is a, was a Marine Corps veteran, uh, deceased now, died uh, uh, last December actually. And he, uh, for many years, wrote a column that was published uh, here in DC uh, in a, a newspaper uh, column called, uh, under the name of Sergeant Shaft. And he spent most of his adult life after being medically discharged from the Marine Corps, uh, a Vietnam veteran was, was injured in Vietnam to help veterans, uh, veteran causes, especially those related to uh, health care. Our post was very fortunate to have uh, Sarah McClendon, John Cosgrove, and John Fales as our members over the years. Definitely, definitely. Our post meets every other month, and one of the things that I most enjoy about those meetings is the terrific speakers we get. Here in the nation's capital, we have access to all kinds of newsmakers and authors on military issues, and I have to say some of them have really had me on the edge of my seat. 
Uh, can you talk about some of our recent guest speakers? Yes, I can. Uh, as you said, we're very fortunate uh, to get interesting guest speakers. I think the fact that we're located at the Press Club gives our post kind of a cachet that uh, the other 20-some oh, yes. posts in D.C. don't have, or indeed uh, many of our fellow posts in the Maryland uh, and Northern Virginia areas. Um, over the past couple of years, we've been fortunate to have the public affairs heads of uh, virtually all of the military services, mm -hmm. normally uh, general officers or admirals, come in and talk about their challenges, goals, priorities in public affairs, and particularly dealing with the press, which uh, we think these kind of speakers are highly appropriate, given the fact that we're a press club-situated uh, uh, American Legion post. For example, uh, in, uh, in May, May of this year, we had uh, the head of government and public affairs from the Coast Guard, uh, Rear Admiral uh, Melissa Burt, who uh, gave a very interesting uh, talk. Last month in June, our speaker was uh, Max Lederer, publisher of Stars and Stripes, mm -hmm. uh, who talked to us about the history of Stars and Stripes, uh, uh, how it's staffed, and the fact that they, they uh, work hard to maintain editorial independence despite the fact that they're part of the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. Captain Jack Crawford, as we discussed before, uh, has spoken about the, the Battle of Midway and what it was like to uh, watch the planes fly off uh, the carrier Yorktown, uh, knowing that he may not ever see those pilots again, wow. uh, to engage uh, Japanese, uh, uh, incoming Japanese uh, forces. We've had a number of authors speak, uh, as I think you know. Uh, a very interesting author speaker that we had uh, earlier this year was uh, James Scott, uh, who has written several uh, military uh, history books. The most recent one, which he discussed at our meeting, was called Rampage, uh, about the Battle of Manila, the World War II Battle of Manila. Little known, but uh, a terrible battle to the civilians of uh, Manila in the Philippines. That was a fascinating talk and a fascinating book, too. I couldn't put it down. Yes, it was indeed. So uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, speakers of that caliber uh, come to, uh, to uh, greet us at our meetings. Absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, Press Club has some interesting history with regard to the military, and that history includes a famous photo of Harry Truman playing our piano with Lauren Bacall on top of the piano. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> here's the story. In 1942, the Press Club began an institution called the Canteen, mm -hmm. where they would provide on a Saturday a reception, no cost, for military members who happened to be in the Washington area. And they would provide uh, hot dogs and beer, and it was a, a, a nice time that gave uh, military members, uh, many of whom were between uh, assignments having to do with a war, wartime assignments, uh, would give them some time to relax and, and enjoy themselves. In February of 1945, February 10th to be precise, uh, a former senator named Harry Truman was then vice president and he decided to attend one of the canteens to meet some of the servicemen uh, and, uh, and, and provide uh, help, help out with the cheer that was provided at those canteens. Uh, he told his wife, Bess, that he wouldn't get into any trouble that day because the press club was all <laughs> men's club, uh, no women. Little did he know that uh, at the canteen that, that Saturday afternoon happened to be a young actress named Lauren Bacall, then 20 years old. As Many well-known entertainers did at the time stop by these canteens, Tony Curtis among them. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, Lauren Bacall, uh, a beautiful young lady, 
uh, happened to be at that canteen that one Saturday afternoon. Harry Truman was an accomplished pianist, which probably not many people know, but uh, he was playing an upright piano uh, as part of the entertainment in this particular canteen day. And uh, some public affairs person, no doubt, got uh, the idea that they would put Lauren Bacall on top of that piano. <laughs> uh, and of course, being the press club, there were no shortage of photographers uh, at the event. Those photographers, at least one of them, uh, took a picture that was become, was become famous nationwide, showing uh, a kind of sultry, long-legged Lauren Bacall uh, looking down to Harry Truman's eyes with a big grin on his face as he played that piano. They appeared in the major newspapers the next morning, and then on the cover of Life magazine, 19, uh, February of 1945. Well, uh, apparently, uh, Bess uh, Truman was not uh, amused uh, by that. <laughs> what could possibly uh, go wrong? Uh, uh, and uh, when her daughter, uh, Tr when Truman's daughter, Margaret, spoke to the club nearly 50 years later, uh, she was still not amused. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, that picture became one of the most famous ones ever taken uh, here at the press club. As you know, the room where the piano was is now known as the Truman Lounge, and that very same piano is uh, the main attraction in the Truman Lounge, the Truman Piano. It is. I, I still enjoy uh, showing that piano to guests when I bring people to the club. Well, here's a question that gets to the larger role of the American Legion. I think the Legion is as relevant now as ever with a growing generation of post-9-11 veterans. What sort of support does the Legion offer to new veterans? Well, uh, let me answer that question by going back in time a little bit uh, to say over the last uh, 30 years or so, because the Legion has performed uh, great services for uh, veterans uh, like me who served in Vietnam, and one of those was to uh, do research uh, on Agent Orange to prove that Agent Orange had sick sickened and killed thousands of uh, Vietnam War veterans and caused birth defects among their children. Uh, the American Legion teamed with Columbia University mm -hmm. on that uh, very valuable research. Uh, and actually, the, the Legion was forced to sue the federal government to act, uh, to act on its findings and provide care for the veterans and families suffering from those Agent Orange conditions. Another area where the Legion uh, has uh, spent a lot of uh, time, both in terms of research and advocacy, has been PTSD, mm -hmm. to uh, ensure that PTSD became a recognized Di diagnosis uh, in the VA, uh, both for people who came home after the Vietnam War and then the wars that were to follow uh, in the uh, post-9-11 era. So PTSD and traumatic brain injury is one of the big items that the American Legion, American Legion has uh, focused on. In terms of uh, how they, can, they, they help veterans today, uh, several examples. The American Legion sponsors uh, thousands of career fairs every year, mm -hmm. business workshops and education forums to help give veterans opportunities to succeed after service in the civilian world. The Legion uh, makes persistent demands for well-funded VA health care uh, and timely disability benefits. They provide assistance annually, this is, on more than 181,000 VA benefits cases uh, to help veterans get the benefits that they uh, deserve. Uh, and work through the, the bureaucracy uh, that's unfortunately sometimes is required to, to achieve those benefits and attain them. And the Legion has devoted substantial time uh, to uh, uh, achieve passage of the post-9-11 GI Bill. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which is a, a wonderful educational opportunity, piece of legislation to help meet the needs of uh, 21st century uh, veteran students uh, and also homeowners, entrepreneurs and their families. You know, that, that, that bill is known as the Forever GI Bill, but its official name is the Harry Colmery Veterans Educational Assistance Act, named after the American Legion, then national commander, who was chief architect of the original GI Bill in 1944, oh, wow. uh, as World War II was coming to an end. Uh, in fact, at this very moment, a new American Legion post is taking shape on the campus of the University of Illinois Champaign to support student veterans using their post-9-11 GI Bill benefits uh, and other Legion posts uh, are very supportive of uh, those benefits uh, around the country. If someone's listening who wants to join, how do they connect? Three ways. One is to uh, contact me. <laughs> I can be reached on janoon, N-O-O-N-E, then the number is 44 at gmail.com. Uh, I will be happy to get an application to them. Uh, or they could contact uh, Ken Delecki, who is our membership officer. Ken can be reached at K Delecki, K-D-A-L-E-C-K-I at hotmail.com. And uh, Ken would be more than interested to sign them up. Or they can go online, the American Legion's website online, and register uh, there. Uh, make sure they, um, they indicate in doing so that they'd like to be assigned to Post 20 uh, in Washington, D.C. So we, we welcome uh, new members. Uh, we particularly uh, are interested in, in while well, we would welcome and love to have all new members, we particularly wouldn't be interested in female members. Uh, we'd like to see more of them. We have, we're fortunate to have uh, some female members now. We'd like to have more, uh, and we would welcome everybody, especially female members. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jim. We've been talking with Jim Noon, commander of the National Press Club's American Legion Post. I'm Tom Young, reporting for Update One at the National Press Club in Washington. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.